Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons. It's Thursday, November the 16th, and this is Narrative Wars. We begin today's program with another woke is broke story. It's the gift that just keeps on giving as the Disney Mouse House brand continues to sink into obscurity. Disney scores another loser with a recent movie release. And House Speaker Mike Johnson passes a new type of funding continuing resolution, or CR, which offers a creative approach to turning the financial ship of the U.S. government back onto course for regular order. And the U.S. government is finally corroborating a story that Israel's IDF released a few weeks ago. The story has to do with the location of Hamas command centers in the Gaza Strip. These stories and final comments on today's episode of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired. Well, we're going to jump right into this first story. It has to do with the Marvel's uh, latest movie that just hit the box office. NBC News, November 13th, 2023. Let's listen to this. This is cut number one. Tonight, a Marvel mishap. I don't like that name. The Marvels, starring Brie Larson, the latest installment in the superhero cinematic universe, earning just $47 million at the U.S. box office. This makes it the lowest debut for a Marvel movie ever. What is happening to me? It's a steep fall from the success of its 2019 predecessor, Captain Marvel. That smashed opening box office expectations with over $150 million domestically. The $100 million drop-off, unprecedented. I think the Marvel fans are a diehard bunch. They know when a movie is off. And in that case, they won't go to it. And I think it's more than just the fans don't care for this particular movie. I think it's the fans just don't care for Disney in general. You remember we covered this story a while back, but it's worth uh, reviewing. Uh, this was uh, November 8th, 2023, CNN. And they mentioned that uh, CNN Business reports that Disney plans to slash costs by another $2 billion their streaming side of the business uh, is not making money. Uh, the movies aren't making money. Uh, we just heard that. And this movie cost over $200 million, uh, to uh, create, to produce. It's taking off as a loser right out of the gate. And that first weekend is so important uh, for a movie because it really does predict uh, where it's going to go. And in addition, the park sales, the ticket sales uh, have really plummeted. And the word is out that the lines are quite short because why? People are going elsewhere with their dollars. We've talked about this, uh, that there is a bifurcated economy, a parallel economy emerging where patriots are spending their dollars elsewhere 
and the woke companies are going broke. Well, also, as we've covered in previous episodes of Narrative Wars, uh, Middle America, they really are abandoning woke Disney. They're choosing to spend not only their dollars in general, but their vacation dollars in the summers uh, elsewhere. Here's another follow-up article, Conservatives Cheer Woke Film, The Marvels Flopping. Now, this is Newsweek, November 13th, 2023. You know, the word is getting out. Conservatives are, are noticing this. Again, it only gath- garnered uh, $47 million, uh, the Marvel's movie, uh, in the recent uh, weekend, the opening weekend. Uh, and the uh, David A. Gross, uh, he runs a movie consulting firm called Franchise Research Entertainment. He referred to this latest Marvel's launch as a, quote, unprecedented Marvel box office collapse. Uh, the movie, as we mentioned, cost over $200 million, so they're not even going to start making money until they cross $200 million plus whatever they spent on uh, promotions, advertising in the United States and around the world. It could be another $50 million, another $100 million. So they are way behind the ball with a $47 million opening. They've only possibly only made back about 10% what what they've put into it. So the Marvels is the latest evidence of a, quote, go go broke uh, strategy. And uh, Disney's uh, really uh, got to uh, make a change if they're going to win Patriots back. I'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime too soon. Well, we'll continue to track this story, but I think people uh, get it. Uh, They are going to spend their dollars elsewhere. Patriots are going to spend their dollars elsewhere. And the bifurcated uh, parallel economy is in full force. Moving on to our next piece, House Speaker Mike Johnson addresses the impending government shutdown. Now, uh, that is the headline for this story, but we're going to take a listen to this story. It came out November 14th, and this was uh, CBS News, but he makes a number of comments in here which reveal the strategy behind this laddered approach or this staggered approach uh, to the CR. It's, I think it's very creative. But let's take a listen to this, and then we'll talk some more on the other side. This is cat number two. No, Chad, this is an important innovation, okay? And as was explained earlier, as long as I've been in Congress for seven years, we have governed by omnibus bills right before Christmas. It is a terrible way to run a railroad. And the reason that we're in such trouble... Uh, with our with our federal debt is because Congress is addicted, obsessed with this deficit spending. What happens, as you know, is it's, there's a CR that goes right up to Christmas break, and then they jam upon us, as was been said, thousands of pages in legislation that no one really has a chance to adequately read through and digest or amend or anything else. Last year it was 1.7 trillion dollars, you know, with a few hours notice, and they added 100 or 200 billion extra sprinkled on top of spending that no one had ever actually vetted or gone through. We cannot do that anymore. We have a 33.6 trillion dollar federal debt. Moody's downgraded our our credit rating uh, just this week. 
two weeks ago, the Treasury Department announced we have to borrow, borrow $1.5 trillion over the next two quarters to keep the government uh, going. We cannot do that anymore. And so the latter CR, the two-step CR, everybody calls it something different. It's a new innovation. But it's going to change the way we've done this. We have broken the fever. We are not going to have a massive omnibus spending bill right before Christmas. That is a gift to the American people because that is no way to legislate. It is not good stewardship. It's the reason we're in so much debt. That and, and, you know, the effects of Bidenomics, but we have to change it. And so we've gotten together. I believe there's going to be bipartisan agreement on that to break it up and put it into January, January 19th for the first tranche of the bills and fe uh, February 2nd for the rest. And that will allow us to go through the deliberative process in good faith. I'm going to take everybody at their word that we're doing this in good faith to do the appropriations process as it should be done. So uh, this continuing resolution, what is it going to do? Well, let me let me just go forward here because he recorded this prior to it uh, going on the House floor uh, for a vote. It has been passed, and it was passed as a 336 uh, yeas, 95 nays. So it passed quite easily in a bipartisan manner. So what does this CR do? Well, it's, it's going to bypass, first of all, he pointed out, it's going to bypass a dropping a, a 1,000 up to 2,000 page bill that they get with, uh, in the, in the middle of the night or the early morning. And then they have to vote on it the next morning at, at 8 a.m. And then that evening they jump on an airplane and, and go home, uh, for the holidays. So that's not going to happen. That happened again last year. And that's why we got $1.7 trillion added to the budget last year. And that was thanks to Kevin McCarthy. Now, this is very creative what he's doing. And we're going to talk a, a bit more about this. So what they're calling this is a laddered CR or, or a stepped CR. Uh, so CR, again, is continuing resolution. So it breaks the pattern. First of all, remember, it breaks the pattern of funding Congress at the very last minute without having to read a multi-thousand page bill. You know, it could be a thousand pages, 1,500, nobody's going to read that at 2, 3 in the morning and then vote on it at 8 a.m. the next day. That just is not going to happen. So they just broke that pattern. That is a huge, huge win uh, because that was something that had been going on. As he pointed out, uh, the Speaker of the House has only been in Congress for seven years, but they've done that every single year over the past seven years. In fact, uh, as we've mentioned uh, in the past, but it's worth mentioning it again, there is a Budget Control Act, and uh, it was passed in 1974. The House of Representatives by law in the Constitution of the United States of America, they are supposed to, or they are mandated to begin the budgeting process. It starts in the House, goes over to the Senate, and then it moves on to the President. Now, the Budget Control Act of 1974 was quite brilliant. That uh, was signed under Nixon, and uh, the point of it is it takes the U.S. government, which is just an immense multi-trillion dollar package, and it breaks it up into 12 bills, okay? 12 bills. 
So instead of having to vote for this enormous bill, so instead of having to vote for a $1.7 trillion bill of deficit spending and having no time to review it, no time to read it, what is supposed to happen and was supposed to happen ever since 1974, they are supposed to pass 12 bills and get it done by June. It goes over to the Senate, they work on it, and the whole thing gets wrapped up by the uh, new fiscal year, which starts October 1st in the federal government. Now, they haven't done this again. They have not done this in 25 years. So that's a long time. The point is that each of these bills comes out of separate committees. They come out and, and each of these committees has to do with, uh, you know, their input into the financing. So there's a whole process. A number of people have to have conversations in order to write these bills. They've never done it, so they don't know how to do it. Usually a chair of a committee has a vice chair that works with them. And the vice chair learns how to do it by following the chair. And then over time, the vice chair, if he still gets elected, becomes the chair. That's, that's the usual way it goes. But there's no training here. They don't even know how to do this because it's been 25 years. They're absolutely clueless. So I know there's a number of you that are patriots out there that, you know, you're a little bit impatient and you feel that Mike Johnson caved. I understand that. I agree with you. He did cave, but there's a method to the madness. He caved. We have no omnibus bill, no uh, $1.7 trillion deficit spending bill that is being passed in the early morning hours, a few hours before December 25th, when the public is not paying attention. That is not going to happen this year. That is an immense win. That is an immense win. Uh, so a little bit more here. The legislation, again, it passed 336 to 95. It was bipartisan. And I understand it could not have passed um, completely with Republican votes. We, we understand that. Democrats had to uh, buy into this. But let's continue. 20% of the federal government is going to be funded until January the 19th. January the 19th will be here right around the corner. So those committees that are responsible for funding that 20%, they need to be working on it now. They, they can't just kick back. You know, there's going to be a Thanksgiving break. We understand that. Then they're going to come back uh, after Thanksgiving break and they have work to do. They're going to have to work towards that January 19th deadline, those committees, or else 20% of the government will shut down on January the 19th. Ideally, if they wrap that up before the end of this calendar year, they can send it over to the U.S. Senate, and the U.S. Senate uh, will have until January 19th to get it passed. So their feet will be held to the fire. This is a good thing, folks. The remaining 80% of the government will be funded until February the 2nd. Now, how does this break down? So uh, funds are going to expire. We're talking about the January 19th deadline. Funds are going to expire for military and veterans programs, agriculture, food agencies, departments of transportation, housing, and urban development. So this is very clever. Uh, the Democrats 
are not going to want to be saddled with shutting down military and veterans programs, agriculture, food agencies, and Department of Transportation and Housing, urban development. They're not going to want to be responsible for shutting this down because, again, once the Republicans pass these bills that cover that 20% of the government in, in January 19th, the Republicans have done their job. Then it'll go over to the Senate. And the Senate can't just sit there and do nothing. Ah, oh, we're not going to vote. Because if they do that, the Republicans can go, okay, fine. We'll let 20% of the government shut down. Uh, this is outstanding. Y you know, in the past, it was always, you know, 100% of the government is running or the entire government is shut down. So it's, he's doing a laddered approach. I've never seen this before. We really got to give this a chance. Uh, then there's the February 2nd deadline. That would have to do with the um, State Department, Defense, Commerce, Labor, Health, Human Services Departments, and others. And so that's February the 2nd. And my guess is, although it doesn't give all the details here in this article I'm reading, and this is from Washington Post, November the 14th, 2023. Links are always in the show notes, so you can uh, follow this. But my guess is that in terms of the January 19th deadline, that those bills have either already been completed or they're very close to being completed, and that's why the earlier deadline. They're going to they're gonna move that over to the Senate. Uh, some bills have already been sent to the Senate, and the Senate's just sitting on it. Now, they're going to then uh, work hard, other committees in the House, to uh, get these other, uh, the other 80% of the government uh, bills uh, passed out of the House, again, over to the Senate uh, for the February 2nd deadline. Now, this has never been done. And so it's really, I think, again, it's some of the best TV on TV, the talking heads on the alphabet networks, the lamestream mainstream media. They have no idea how to cover this because it's never happened before. They're kind of scrambling for their own talking points. Remember, in the past, it's always been Republicans bad. They can't get it together. They can't pull the uh, budget together. So, oh, the Senate's going to have to come to the rescue. Dum -da -dum -da -dum. You know, they come riding in on the big white horse. And, you know, here we're going to drop this big omnibus bill on your desk and you're going to have to sign it. Not this year. That's not going to happen. So, listen, here's what uh, Senate Majority Leader Chucky Schumer has to say about this uh, continuing resolution that just got passed. Quote, I certainly don't agree with everything the speaker is proposing, and I can't imagine too many senators would have taken the speaker's approach in drafting the bill. In other words, between the lines, uh, he kind of caught me a bit off guard here. You were supposed to kind of lump it all together into one big thing or, or drag your feet so that we could come up with our porculus bill. You haven't done that. Then get this. Uh, Speaker Chucky Schumer also says he called the laddered approach goofy, quote unquote, goofy later at a news conference. So this is very good. I just think this is fantastic. We're catching him on his back foot. We're catching him confused. It's kind of like when uh, 
you're, you're watching a, a football game and the clock is running down and, uh, you know, the game's about to end. And, and then all of a sudden the other team pulls a trick play and uh, the ball is given to a, a running back and he passes the ball to someone else. You know, he doesn't run with the ball. He passes the ball. So sometimes, and look, I'm, look, I'm not the greatest football commentator. I'm absolutely terrible. But what I'm talking about is a trick play, something that is not expected by the defense. The Democrats are on the defense because the funding originates in the House of Representatives. So the ball has been thrown. Now there's this new laddered approach and the 20% of the government could shut down on the 19th, another 80% on February the 2nd. They have the majority votes uh, with the House. They don't need the Democrats in the House to, to pass it. So we're going to see how this rolls out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun January and February. We're going to watch how this rolls out. It takes time to turn around a battleship that has been headed in the wrong direction. Well, we want to take this time to look at a few Narrative Wars posse comments. Regarding Speaker Mike Johnson, Salty Mary wrote, He cowered. He's no St. Michael. Rep Mike Johnson, shame on you. Grow a pair. Also regarding Speaker Johnson's CR funding, Trump won again writes, His first cave. And on the issue of Tucker being Trump's running mate, O'Hickory and Jay Talker, both liked my comment uh, that I put out. And my comment basically said that Tucker for Vice President of the United States of America, really bad idea, really bad idea for Tucker to be a VP and, and run with Trump. And, and then I put out uh, this uh, additional comment. I said, I prefer someone like South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, Republican, South Dakota. She never shut down South Dakota during COVID. So thank you for that input. Uh, Narrative Wars Posse, uh, we appreciate it. And when we see a lot of interesting comments, likes, uh, we put it out on the show. Uh, you are the reason why we do this program. You can add your voice to the conversation that stands for Liberty and the freedoms that Americans hold so dearly. Join us on social media on both Getter, that's G-E-T-T-R, and True Social. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons. I enjoy receiving your feedback and reading some of your comments on the air. Again, you can follow us on Getter or True Social by searching for at Jeffrey K. Lyons, and that's Lyons with a Y. When you listen to us, on your favorite podcasting app, please five-star rate, follow, and send our podcast to two to three like-minded friends. That's how we continue to expand the Narrative Wars posse. You are the reason why we do this program. And now, let's continue. 
All right, moving on to our uh, final piece here. We're uh, checking out this new format here, which is a Tuesday drop and a Thursday drop because now we can cover some of the hot-breaking stories in the middle of the week with two drops, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. Please let your friends know. Now, we're going to move on to this piece, which has to do with the United States government finally figuring out, finally agreeing that the IDF uh, was telling the truth uh, when it came to the location of these Hamas command centers uh, in tunnels under the ground and specifically inside of ho hospitals and underneath hospitals. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number three. You're going to hear a comment from an Israeli IDF official. Uh, here we go, cut number three. Hamas also has an entrance to those terror tunnels from inside the hospital wards, meaning... From different places of the hospital, you can go into an underground tunnel that will provide you shelter. Hamas uses Shifa Hospital as a shield for Hamas terror infrastructure. Hamas wages war from hospitals. By operating from these hospitals, Hamas not only endangers the lives of Israelis, civilians, but also exploit innocent Gazan civilians as human shield. Shifa is not the only hospital, it is one of many. Hamas' use of hospitals is a systematic. When medical facilities are used for terror purposes, they are liable to lose the protection from attack in accordance with international law. Now, that was an IDF spokesman. And now, this is uh, so interesting, now the United States government is finally admitting that this is an accurate story. Links in the show notes. So a number of things to point out here. It, it took the U.S. government two full weeks, about two full weeks to corroborate the IDF story about these command centers that uh, Hamas has. They're located not only in the hospital, on different floors of the hospital, above ground, but also underground uh, in a labyrinth of tunnels. Well, this is nothing new. It's been going on for decades. This is sort of a modus operandi for Hamas. Now, Hamas operates behind civilians using them as collateral damage. So uh, this is what they do. They operate in hospitals and underneath hospitals. Now, it's very instructional to read the actual Hamas declaration. You can look it up. Again, links in the show notes. But I'm going to read this one brief quote here. This is the preamble to the 1988 Hamas charter. Quote, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it, just as it obliterated others before it. So this is the purpose of Hamas. It is to wipe out Israel. You hear that saying from the river to the sea? That basically means wipe out all of the Jews between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Wipe them out, river to the sea. There's no substitute for reading the Hamas charter links in the show notes. They tell you exactly who Hamas is. Hamas clearly states that they are linked with the Muslim Brotherhood. That's in Article 7 of the Charter. 
Don't just watch the emotional talking heads on television. Uh, don't just be uh, moved emotionally by pictures and arguments that you hear. Look, read for yourself the Islamic Resistance Movement Charter. Hamas is an acronym, and it stands for Islamic Resistance Movement. Read the charter for yourself, and you will begin to understand who these people are. There's no negotiating with these people. It's not possible. Their only reason for existence is to wipe out and kill the Jews in the area, which we refer to as Palestine or from the river to the sea. And now our final comments segment. If you haven't noticed, things have been getting rather testy in Congress lately. And we're talking about both the House and the Senate. On November the 14th, Republican Representative Tim Burchett, Republican Tennessee, uh, he's accusing the past Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, of elbowing him from behind his back with, quote, a clean shot to the kidneys in a Capitol hallway. Coincidentally, Burchett, along with seven other Republicans and 208 Democrats, were responsible for vacating the chair. That was a move which removed McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And meanwhile, over in the more civilized United States Senate, Here's another report. November the 14th, a Republican senator and the president of the Teamsters, well, they almost got into a fist fight. And that was on Tuesday. Uh, Bernie Sanders had to actually intervene and stop the uh, senator for get, from getting into a fight uh, with the Teamsters leader. Sanders stood up and exclaimed, you're a United States senator. So what led to this conflict in the U.S. Senate? A Business Insider, November 14, 2023, reports that, yes, there was an almost skirmish. It was snuffed out by the 82-year-old uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, again, shouting out, you were a United States senator. Uh, that uh, stopped the conflict. Now, why did this happen? During the hearing, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma read aloud a post that O'Brien made on X, formerly known as Twitter, where he called the Republican senator a, quote, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made, unquote. In addition, O'Brien wrote, in reality, just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be, quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time, cowboy, the Teamsters leader uh, really pushed uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullins' uh, buttons, and he stood up and said, "Okay, let's go. Let's let's uh, let's do it right now." Uh, fortunately, that did not happen, folks. Congress right now, and I'm not making excuses, but there is a high temperature in the air. The blood pressure is high. People are wound up like tight springs about to pop, you know, whatever image you want to use. 
And I want to transition here because this is nothing new. There have been many times in the history of the United States government when everybody has been on edge. The leaders of this nation have absolutely been on edge, especially during the Civil War. Uh, President Abraham Lincoln, he was famously known to tell a joke among his cabinet and other lawmakers in order to tone down the high blood pressure in the room. President Ronald Reagan even made jokes after being shot by an attempted assassin's bullet, and this was back in 1981. Here's a few Reagan one-liners right after he got shot. Uh, this is from Time Magazine, April 13th, 1981. Uh, this is Reagan. Reagan said to the surgeons as he was about to go into the operating room, quote, please tell me you're Republicans. To a nurse who commented to uh, Reagan to keep up the good work as Reagan was recovering, uh, Reagan replied, quote, you mean this may happen several more times? Unquote. To his daughter, Maureen, Reagan commented that the attempted assassination, quote, ruined one of my best suits, unquote. And when Reagan woke up uh, in his hospital room after the surgery, actually the morning after the surgery, Reagan responded to a group of White House aides that were standing in the room. Here's what he said. Hi, fellas. I, I knew it would be too much to hope that we could skip a staff meeting. So the country was on edge. It was on edge during the Civil War, and Lincoln would use humor to drop the blood pressure in the room, the heated attitudes. And in the case of Ronald Reagan, who almost died by an assassin's bullet, he sort of calmed the country down through his one-liners, which were carried by the press. The point is clear. Congress today is stretched thin. Tempers are currently very high on Capitol Hill. Our nation's leaders are at a breaking point. Republican leadership in the House is going to need to get work, a lot of work done, before the January CR deadlines occur. Speaker Mike Johnson is correct. It's going to take time to turn this ship around. So, my friends, as 2023 begins to wind down, let's focus on what we can be thankful for. During this Thanksgiving season, let's celebrate that there is still a land of the free and a home of the brave, a place where we can still proclaim liberty throughout the land. And that's a comforting thought. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired